Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Supreme Court has been quite busy in the last few days, and that is what we are going to dive into today. A lot of decisions coming out that are making headline news, a lot of opinions, a lot of thoughts about them, and I want to talk about it. Just going to give you my personal thoughts, maybe bring up some questions, some perspectives that maybe you've thought of, maybe you haven't thought of. Of course, you always have the opportunity to write in and give me your thoughts and opinions about either what I say or what you think or what you're seeing in the news. But let's just get to it. Let's talk about these three big ones, really, that I think are kind of the most headline making, I would say. And the first of which is pertaining to a web designer. She's based out of Colorado, and her case clearly made it all the way up to the Supreme Court. And she is what she calls herself a conservative Christian. And she has wanted, I guess, the the right to not have to make designs or wedding invitations for same-sex couples. And the argument behind this was that it was discriminatory and same-sex couples being in a protective class would seemingly fall under a type of discrimination, right? So as it went through the court battles, multiple sides were discussed, freedom of religion, First Amendment rights, discrimination, all of those aspects were kind of looked at. And ultimately what it came down to from the Supreme Court side, and again, it was a six to three vote. So six conservative judges, uh, three liberal judges opposing, so six in favor, three opposing, was that she did in fact have the right based off of her First Amendment right, which is protection of free speech, to not create these wedding invitations or do design work for people of same-sex marriages, that inherently goes against her religious belief that marriage is between a man and a woman. So the interesting thing I think surrounding all of this is that the ruling makes it very clear that this is only for free speech and expression. So if we think about speech, right, speech is verbal. It's also written. So if she is writing on a wedding invitation, a marriage between, you know, Jim and Joe or Sally and Jane, clearly a same-sex couple situation, that is her speech. She is putting 
expression into that with whether it be her coming up with the verbiage on the invitation or the couple coming up with the verbiage on the invitation, she still puts her design element into that. She still puts the expression behind that. And that ultimately what is being protected on her end. She has the right to say, no, thank you. This is not a design. This is not an expression. This is not a speech that I am going to participate in for these couples. Again, because I believe as a Christian that marriage is between male and female. So the ruling is free speech and expression, just like I said. And the court, their basis is that it doesn't then create sort of this broad right for businesses to discriminate based on sexual orientation. So let's say a same-sex couple comes into a restaurant, well, refusing service to that couple doesn't fall under free speech or expression. That's, of course, just blatant discrimination that they would not be served. Same with race or disability or religion, things of that nature. I think that the opposing argument would be that it is perhaps an opening of a door, right? And I can see that to a certain degree as I am, I consider myself to be an open-minded person. I do think that when it comes to what you hold as your beliefs and in, of course, how you treat people on a daily basis, you know, sort of um, love the sinner, not the sin, right? Is that Our hopes would be that if she chooses as a business owner to not create wedding invitations for same-sex marriages, that that isn't taken out into the general public and that she is a verbally abusive person to gay people or that she has demonstrated other things that would be considered discriminatory, right? That's, That's the hope. I do think that as a business owner, if that's not something that she's comfortable with, then I am in agreement with the Supreme Court's decision that it's her private business as a designer, as sort of intellectual property. Again, it falls under speech and expression. So sure. I guess I can give you a personal example. I was talking to my significant other the other day and I take my son to this cute little like barber shop. It's in these little salon suites. I think we all know what those are, right? But if you don't, it's these big buildings that have been sort of sectioned out. And then the either hairstylist or nail stylist or masseuse, like you can have your own little independent shop, but you don't have to have maybe the overhead of having the entire building. You just sort of rent out your own little spot. And The gal that I take my son to, she's been the only person that can master his haircut. And he's a teenager, so we all know how that goes, right? Once you find that person, you're like, oh my gosh, I've got to lock this in because I can't deal with the fallout from having a bad haircut with a 13-year-old boy. That is like a catastrophic life event that I'm not dealing with. So we found her. We've been going to her for... Uh, man, I would say like a year and a half now. She's amazing. 
she used to be significantly closer to where I live. So now I drive him like a half an hour just to get a haircut. But the moral of this story or the point of this story is, is that she is a lesbian. And we went to a haircut one time and she mentioned that she was pregnant. So her and her partner or wife, I, I think they're married. I'm, I'm not sure. They decided to do artificial insemination and have a baby. And I sort of had to have this conversation with my son about that. And I think as a mom who, again, I like to be very transparent. I like to be very open in my communication with my son. I also like to point out things that our belief practices, you know, again, she's a lovely human being. She is a wonderful person. Do I necessarily agree with that particular lifestyle? I can't say that it's an agreement or not. I'm not the judgment maker about that. Did it put us in a situation where I had to have a conversation with my son about something that's kind of an adult topic and he's very inquisitive and he's very intelligent and me being a nurse, he had a lot of questions about the medical situation surrounding that. So we did have to kind of dig in. But me as a human being, I also feel that it's important to set an example for my son, again, to love love the human and you don't have to love or agree or condemn that human for necessarily the choices that they that they are making. And here's the other thing I'll say. She doesn't, it's not shoved in our faces. We don't talk about what she does in her bedroom when she's cutting my son's hair. And I think that I've spoken about that on previous shows about how this LGBTQ um, agenda, nobody has a problem with who you're sleeping with or whom you choose to have a marriage with or create a life with. It's this overabundance of just down our throats and in children's faces. And I think creating some confusion and some uncertainty for children who don't have the mental, emotional, developmental capabilities of grasping those concepts like sexual identity, sexual preference, all of those things, right? And my boyfriend said to me, he was like, I'm I'm surprised, actually. I'm surprised that, you know, you kind of engaged in that conversation and that this is who you would have, you know, cut your son's hair. And part of me then kind of had to take a step back and say, oh, well, maybe I am not doing a good enough job of demonstrating either to him or to the world or people that like, again, I don't have a problem with what you do in the bedroom. I'm not the ultimate decision makers surrounding that and and what happens in the big scheme of things. Like I, yes, I'm very opinionated. Yes, I have clear-cut delineations of right and wrong. But again, I love people. I'm a people person. I wish that all of us could understand sort of maybe agendas that I personally think are happening from a faith-based perspective. It's why I think they're happening. It's why I think that we've been led down sort of this, this road, this sort of Sodom and Gomorrah situation that we are kind of in. But I explained to him, and I think that this is a correlation to this designer, like we do all have that choice. If I really 
wanted to, I could say to my son, you know what? I can't, I don't agree with her lifestyle. I don't care that she gives you a great haircut. I don't care that she's a nice person. I don't care that she has a family that she's supporting. None of those things matter. I don't agree. I'm not going to take you to get your haircut there anymore. I could, I could absolutely do that. And is that a lesson for my son? Sure. Is that a lesson that he should stand true to his convictions, that his dollars count where he spends his money? Absolutely. Is it also a lesson again of she's a human. I think she's kind. She treats my son incredibly well. She demonstrates herself as, as a great person. And that again, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a people lover. I'm a lover of the humans. So I'm going to, I'm going to continue to go there. Now, again, this graphic designer, she has that right. She has that right to say, I feel that this conflicts with my morals, what I believe in from a faith-based practice. You know, it also does bring in the other constitutional elements of freedom of religion, whether that got brought up. I don't know. I didn't really dig too deep into it. But if she would, if she would kind of rather not take that business, I guess now the Supreme Court has said she doesn't have, she doesn't have to do that. From another standpoint, and I don't, I think sometimes when we have these conversations, people would say, or it would maybe get brought up. And I know that it would get brought up on the next couple of topics that I'm coming to, which is race related. There's always this idea that you can't have an opinion or you don't know what it's like if you aren't in their shoes. And for these particular examples, yes, I'm not in those shoes because I am not a homosexual. I'm heterosexual and I am Caucasian. So The topics maybe don't directly apply to me, but certainly there are other aspects in my life in which I could fall under a category of discrimination or being discriminated against. I'm a woman, right? So if I wanted to play the female card, I certainly could do that. But I also think that if somebody doesn't want to be of service of me, how deeply am I going to take that? If this same-sex couple that was involved in this lawsuit against this graphic designer finds out that they're being refused service by somebody that doesn't want to serve them, you've got two sides of that story, right? One, do you do what they did and fight tooth and nail and try to take this all the way to, to the Supreme Court? You feel that that is justice. You feel that that is what should be done maybe for you, your partner, the overall um, gay community. This is sort of putting your foot down and saying, no, this is just one more level of discrimination. Okay, I get that. But I guess I would also say, would you rather, or would it be more beneficial, or where does your heart and soul lie of maybe taking your business to somebody who only serves same-sex couples. Maybe that's money and energy and time, not better invested, but it could be an investment that feels maybe more in line with what your personal values are. 
I tend to, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of standing up for what you think is right. So if that is what this particular couple felt was right, I support that. I support doing the things that make you feel empowered. And if the legal channels were empowerment for them, totally. I, I, I cheer you on. And then we have to trust the justice system, right? And conversely, for the web designer, if she thinks that that is within her rights, take that to where you need it to go. But as I get older and as some of the battles that I've personally experienced, especially over the last three years with COVID and my employer and the things that I was, quote unquote, forced to do versus the things that I was absolutely not going to do, had to kind of pick those battles and say, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to, you know, parade through the halls with a mask on to walk down to the cafeteria to get my lunch, even though I know it's stupid and ridiculous and it's not doing anything except putting on a show versus injecting my body with unknown toxins and poisons. Uh, okay. I had my line there, right? So maybe this couple could have just said, gosh, I'm going to turn and focus my energy and give my business to a company that is willing, wants to, supports my marriage and demonstrates that. And then maybe I turn around and tell my community or my friends that are also gay, hey, I had a great experience working with this web designer, with this invitation company, sort of bolster their business a little bit as somebody who is a supporter and who gave you great service and created a great product and didn't shy away from that or felt like, yeah, no, this is totally something I can do. I'm indifferent to the fact that you're a same-sex couple. So just a couple of different ways, I think, of, of looking at that. Also really interesting because speech has become such a significant part of our existence over the last three years, talking about well, what is misinformation? What's disinformation? What is hate speech? What are all of these little different nuances that fall under the categories of free speech? And I think that we have, over the last couple of years, been walking a really, really thin line about speech suppression and who gets to say what and what platforms you get to speak on. And you know, words matter, but also words don't matter, right? So in the context of words mattering, it, it's important how we phrase things. It's important to use correct terminology. It's important to use words in the way that they were intended, right? But then words also don't matter in the fact that you know, if, if I call someone stupid, does that actually mean that they're stupid? Well, I don't know. It could be just an opinion, right? I could just think that they were stupid. Were they stupid in a moment in time? Or have they taken an IQ test? And based off of that, I deem them to be unintelligent, which makes them stupid. So many things play into speech and our society has become so critical and everything is under this microscope to make sure that it fits into boxes and narratives. And we're so 
divided. I would say we are so exactly on sort of one side or the other. There doesn't seem to be a lot of middle ground. And I think this is a really, really good example of just of just that. And people are going to fall on either one side of support of this web designer and say, yep, she has that right. And then other people are going to say, no, she doesn't. And here's why. She's a bigot. She's uh, homophobe. You know, she'll probably get labeled with a lot of things to sort of break down, I guess, the position of that, which ultimately breaks us down even more as a society and creates even further divide. Rather than being people that have the ability to stop and look at it from her perspective. If she's uncomfortable with that, okay. It's her business. Maybe she gets so much bad press from this that her business goes under. Who knows? And then, you know, the same-sex couple. I don't know that anyone is necessarily going to target or attack them. I think, moreover, they're just going to support the web designer, if that makes sense. It's sort of also, I kind of find it in this dichotomy of if we want to look at like Biden, Trump, right? Trump supporters, sure, they point out some flaws in Biden, but they mainly just walk around supporting Trump. Where when I talk to people that voted for Biden, there really isn't anything that they can say to support or lift him up, or nobody's walking around wearing like Biden hats or Biden t shirts. Everything is just a direct attack on Trump. It's not necessarily you're a Biden supporter, you're just a Trump hater. And I can kind of see how that's going to come into play with this particular Supreme Court ruling, as well as the others that I'm going to get into in the second half of the show. It's like, do you have a leg to stand on, on your side of the argument, or is your leg only attacking the other side? And for what grounds does the attack come? Is it a narrative? Is it this crazy right-wing conservative Christian thing that the media and that society loves to sort of pinpoint versus allowing that person to have their morals and their beliefs and their faith-based practices that sort of guide their day-to-day living and obviously guides her business operations? And then conversely, you have a same-sex couple who probably feels that they are disenfranchised and that they have had this uphill battle their whole lives or for however long they've either come out or the societal pressures, despite the fact that they just had an entire month of celebrating their lifestyle, that they have corporate sponsors, they have advertising dollars. You know, there's these very, very interesting components that I think get missed when we talk about the entire conversation. But still, I think it's an important conversation to have nonetheless. So with that in mind, we're going to come back after a short little break, and I'm going to dive into two more kind of hot topic SCOTUS rulings that have come down in the last few days. So I'm going to step away shortly, come back and join me. I am Nurse Beth. You are listening to Nurses Out Loud here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's time and this is world. 
pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body, and now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Out loud. You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? Customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash outloud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Well, the OUTLOUD truth was the rallying call that started it all. A wide spectrum of programming from world and political news to societal, your health, and cultural stories. Seven amazing years of news stories, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. All right, welcome back fun first half of the show talking about some important Supreme Court rulings that have come down in the last few days and ones that are making some pretty big headlines. If they're making the news, I feel like they're making the news for a reason. They're obviously big. They maybe have some historical components to them, obviously political, right? The Supreme Court shouldn't be a political entity, but it certainly is always viewed as one because we can have what we consider to be conservative justices, which then always get associated with Republican Party. And then you can have liberal leaning justices that get sort of attached to the Democratic Party. And those are who typically get aligned based off of who is president, right? So Obama, Democrat, he appointed his judges. Those are considered liberals. Trump had his. He appointed, obviously, conservative. And then they get pegged as as Republicans. I get it. It's unfortunate because I think our justice system should not be politically aligned, right? We have a legal system in place to make sure that there is rule of law, 
and basic rule of law is constitution, what our forefathers have set forth for us in a society that needs to function appropriately and that needs to be done so. Also with times, times are evolving, right? But the foundations of that document are, in my opinion, I think grounds for proper evolution of a society. We should always be able to come back and look at why those things were put into place. And they really are not just for that date and time. I mean, they're they're evolutionary and they might look different. They might sound different. They might be called a different title, but all the things that we're experiencing now in today's times are literally a mirror image of what was happening when our framers of the Constitution wrote that document for our country. And I think that's always something to keep in the back of our minds as we look at decisions that have already been made and changes to them and decisions that are going to be made in the future. So the second sort of hot button decision that was made was surrounding one of Biden's, I guess, presidential, one of the platforms that he ran on, I guess, if I, if I would use that terminology correctly. And that was student loan forgiveness. And this is such a weird one to me because I feel like in this country, especially right now, but as it's sort of progressed over, I would say, the last decade, there is definitely groups or fractions of our society that feel as though things should be free. We just have this entitlement sort of mentality, whether that be education or healthcare. Like it's this concept that either money grows on trees and that nobody has to really pay for anything because, well, it's just there and it should be a service that's granted to us. But very much this entitlement. Why should I have to pay for higher education? Why should I have to pay for health care? I'm somehow owed that which is a really weird concept to me. I wasn't raised that way. I've never had this sort of entitlement thing. I would even go so far as to say, like, it's maybe a horrible thing to say, but I have no idea the financial like status of my parents. Maybe that's ignorance on some part, but also none of my business. If my parents were to pass away or when that day comes, I am in no way, shape, or form banking on inheriting anything. It's not my money. I didn't work for what they have. I didn't go through whatever they had to go through in their adulthood, in their employment to then save what they've saved or invest what they've invested. I have no idea. It's none of my business. I'm not entitled to it. I know that there are people that view that very differently, that sit there and they're almost just sort of not waiting for the day, but there is an expectation that that will someday come to them. I don't get it. 
I've never understood it. I don't understand free healthcare. I don't understand that idea of that somewhere out there, either the government or other people or rich people or anyone has to pay anything for me to obtain a service. I don't get it. So when Biden was sort of touting this as something that he was going to accomplish during his presidency, I had a lot of personal feelings about it. I was way in my feels about it. Number one, because I don't carry that mentality. Two, I had student loans. I took out student loans to go to nursing school. Now, what I will tell you is that a program in the hospital organization that I worked with said that as long as you are working here and you have student loans and you proof every year, you know, I would submit my payment to them of what my monthly payment was, they would offer reimbursement. Now, I got grandfathered into a, to that program because when I graduated and I signed on with the hospital, that was how the program was run. Now, if you want uh, tuition reimbursement or student loan repayment, you have to sign on for X number of years. I didn't have that, right? So just as long as I kept working there and I provided them my statements every month or every year, I guess it was, I would get that reimbursement. So I was repaying my student loans. Yes, granted, the hospital I was working for was technically paying that, but they were getting me, they were getting my labor, right? So I was an asset to that organization as I worked for them. I would consider it a benefit, sure, but I still did it. I still I still paid back my student loans to the tune of like $45,000. So it wasn't just chump change. Now it's not what doctors and lawyers and some of our other sort of significant, uh, you know, roles or careers kind of come out of college with, you know, massive amounts of debt. But it was a lot. It was a lot of money. I'm grateful for that. As salty as I am about that organization (laughs) and is about nursing as a whole, like I'm appreciative that that I had that opportunity to get that money. But I also looked at that from Biden as like, I don't even think this is something that he can do. Like people get so excited about all of these things that people say, and they don't take a step back and be like, is this even something that the president can do? Does the president even have that right? Does that fall within the executive, you know, abilities of the president? And it doesn't. And there were some people talking about that. There were people saying like, "Mm, I don't even think he can do this. Yet it still went up the legal ladder and made it to the Supreme Court. And you have so many people like screaming about this. You have people who probably voted for Biden just on that one thing. They've probably got tens of thousands of dollars in student loans. They're probably in a job that maybe didn't necessarily afford them the opportunity to make those payments once they graduated, right? Like, I mean, I look at so many college degrees that you graduate with that you're going to get out in the workforce and your earnings potential aren't really that amazing associated with that degree, right? So you're maybe working a job, making a decent income, 
but you've also got your bills. You've got maybe a mortgage or you've got rent, you've got car payment, you've got groceries, we've got inflation. (laughs) And then to sort of tack on this student loan payment on top of that, I get it. It's a lot, but it's a loan for a reason. You got something in exchange for that money. You felt like higher education was what you needed to do in order to advance yourself, either educationally or put you in a better position for the job market. You felt like college was maybe something you wanted to experience, right? Go away from home, live that four years of excitement, whatever you're into for that experience, whether it be the sorority fraternity scene, whether it be, you know, sports or whether it be strictly academia. You got something for that money. So it is your responsibility to repay that. It's the same as a car loan. You get to drive that car and it's on a loan and you got to repay that. Same with your mortgage. You get to live in this house and you pay every month to have it be on loan to you, basically. Student loans are viewed so differently, I think, than those examples of your car loan or your mortgage. And I don't understand why. You're getting something for that money. So Supreme Court came in and was basically like, eh, nope, can't do it. Biden cannot forgive student loans of complete forgiveness, partial forgiveness. It's not within... It's not within his executive powers. And I guess I just don't understand the argument surrounding it. Maybe you are. Maybe you're just mad. Maybe you're just mad that now you've got to adult and you've got to be responsible. And that's probably ultimately what the problem is because we're seeing that so much in our society where people just can't take accountability. They just can't be responsible for the decisions that they make. I would throw abortion in there, but that's not today's show topic. Be responsible. If you look at the cost of college tuition, which is, again, that is like maybe a whole nother story, right? Like if we didn't have maybe federal student loans, would we see tuition at the cost that it is? Probably not. If everyone were coming out of pocket to pay college tuition, it would probably be viewed as affordable. College tuition is not affordable right now. And it keeps going up and up and up. It inflates just like everything else inflates. But when you are sort of incentivized, when you get federal monies, when you have these big giant carrots swinging in front of your face to be like, ooh, here's the prize, here's the prize, of course you're going to take it. I'll also just throw in there hospitals during COVID. When you're getting federal money and all the federal money requires you to do is say, oh, do this, do this, do this. Ooh, we should probably do that, do that, do that. And then we're going to get all of these yummy federal dollars. Of course, you're going to do it because we're also a society that's void of any moral compass at this juncture. So we're not going to step back and be like, oh, should we really do that? Should we really take all of these federal monies and and potentially burden these students? 
right? Your call, your, your idea of going to college, your intentions are good. You want to get a good job. We've sort of prepped you through that your whole life, right? Get into college. You got to get into a good college. Look at what it says on your resume. Da, 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 da. Our society has become obsessed with this idea of going to college. And we don't ever think about the price tag that that comes with. What's that really going to look like when you graduate? What sort of degree are you going to get? You're going to get a sociology degree? All right. Like, what are you actually going to do with that? And does a job that matches with that degree pay enough for you to afford life after college? When you've moved out, when you're not living in the dorms anymore, when you're not on a meal plan, when you have to buy your groceries, all the things. And I think people are just salty because they have to now take accountability and they have to be responsible and they have to look at the decisions that they've made and they have to be like, ooh, my women's study degree. That's not, that's not really doing much for me these days which I'm also shocked that liberal colleges are still offering degrees titled women's studies. I'm not sure that the, that the, that the gender people are going to allow that for very much longer. <laughs> so second big ruling, hot topics, making the news, no student loan forgiveness. Sorry, Charlie's. You got you to gotta pay back your own student loans. I'm not going to pay your college for you. My tax dollars are not going to cover your degree. So sorry. Figure out a way. Figure it out. Like the rest of us figured it out. Means getting another job. If it means starting an organization to maybe go after that university that you went to and say, hey, your tuition's not affordable. Let's start a grassroots movement. And let's figure out how we can make tuition more affordable, not through loans, right? Maybe more scholarship programs. Maybe all of these massive corporate entities that then take these students and literally just put them in cubicles and make them grind on this nine-to-five hamster wheel. Maybe those people, if they want those hamsters so badly, maybe they should be offering more scholarships. I don't know. Call me crazy. But in any event. You've got to pay back your loans. So sorry. And speaking of colleges, the third big SCOTUS ruling that came down, and one that I think is like super big, is the ruling about affirmative action. This is huge. We have affirmative action just almost everywhere in our society. And this one came down specifically about two universities. Um, one is Harvard and one is North Carolina. And ultimately what the ruling was is that they viewed Harvard and North Carolina's admissions as violating the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. So basically they were sort of violating other races' rights based off of affirmative action. So a couple things to keep in mind here as we sort of talk about this. Number one, Harvard is a private university. However, they get federal dollars. So they are subject to these 
federal laws, right? Like it's never, this is what always like boggles my brain when we talk about the government. Nothing is free. Nothing is free. If the government is involved, there is a price that you have to pay. They will hold something over your head. It is an exchange because the government doesn't actually want what's best for us. They don't want you to go to Harvard and have this, you know, glorious college Ivy League experience. No, they want something in return and they will always get what they want. That's the thing. That's the thing to keep in mind. Nothing is for free and they will always get what they want in return. And what they want in return is always going to be shifting. They're going to say it's A, and then it's going to go A and B, and then it's going to go A, B, C. And the next thing you know, the goalpost has moved all the way down the field, and they want A to Z. And we somehow allow that. We go, oh, well, you said it was just going to be A. And they're like, yeah, but we're the government, so now it's A and B. And you're like, okay, I went to Harvard. (laughs) It's constant with these people. They hate us. So Harvard receives federal dollars, so they are subject to federal laws. The other thing to keep in mind is that Harvard didn't allow Black students until the 1950s. So some of these rulings that were put in place were good intentions. Again, what is the intention behind what we are doing? It was of good intent. It was to say, hey, that's completely discriminatory, right? Like you can't discriminate based off of race. You can't look at a college admission form and say, oh, this person's black, they're not getting in. Totally wrong, totally disgusting, not appropriate. So we put things like this in place. Now, here's where, here's where it gets sticky, right? It's not to be used as the, as the defining characteristic that puts one admission above another, right? So if you are looking at two side-by-side admissions and same GPA, same, you know, um, accolades in high school. Maybe they were an athlete. Maybe they did volunteer hours. Like if everything came down to the wire, race is not supposed to be what tips the scales in someone's favor. And what I'm interpreting, again, my legalese is wrong. If you speak legalese, if you're a lawyer, if I'm not getting this right, please correct me. Uh, but from what I understand about this is that that's where the violation was coming in, is that it was it was maybe being used as the scale tipper, right? And like I said earlier in the show, I think where some of the conversation comes in that I think is unfair to say that I shouldn't have an opinion on this because I'm Caucasian, right? And that, again, I I don't know what it's like to be, you know, fill in the blank of whatever people say that they are discriminated against or living in our society with or whatever, right? I get that. But at the same time, I... I would never, I will use being a woman as my sort of factor, the checkbox that I could check that could fall under discriminatory. I would never in a million years want anything to receive anything, whether that be college admission, a job, 
someone doing something kind for me even simply based off of the fact that I'm a woman. I don't want that. I want who I am as a human being to shine through. I want who I am as a follower of Christ to shine through. I would want my skills and abilities to shine. I would want my intelligence, my work ethic, my love of people. I would want all of those other things that are significantly more defining about me as a human being to be what I am measured by, not the fact that I'm a woman. So when I look at this and I look at affirmative action, I think to myself, oh, that feels so, it feels so demeaning to somebody is how I will phrase this. And what I have seen in the liberal media coming out is just that. This basically is telling Black people, and the only reason I'm referencing Black people is because that's kind of what this is all about. We we aren't talking about all of the other races that exist in our country as a country with the greatest amount of diversity in the world, which also makes me chuckle every time we talk about race, is that we're the most diverse country in the world, and yet somehow we still focus on these insignificant components of who we are as humans to be the most defining characteristics when they are the least defining characteristics of who we are. But the liberal media and people are coming out now saying that there is no way, now that this ruling has come down, that there is no way that a Black person is going to be able to get into Harvard what? Excuse me? How more demeaning could you be? How more demeaning could you be in saying to somebody because of the color of their skin that there that there's no way that now they can't get into Harvard because they can't use that? How about using their intelligence? How about using their accolades? How about using who they are as a human being? How about using their volunteer service hours? How about using their SAT scores and their ACT scores and the actual demonstration of their intelligence and what they're capable of and their work ethic and their drive and what they want to be and what they want to give to society? How about using all of that as grounds for admission? to an Ivy League school or any school for that matter. Maybe this person is an athlete. Maybe they have incredible athletic ability. There are a myriad of other things that can be used for somebody of color to get into a university, an Ivy League school med school, grad school, law school. And we have all of these people now screaming, literally screaming on Twitter, in, you know, in the media, that this is somehow going to eliminate Black people's ability I compare it to sort of the voting laws, right? Like 
liberals will come on and be like, oh, well, these voting laws prohibit Black people or people of color from being able to vote. Why? You're making the assumption that they don't have a proper identification, which is ridiculous. That is the most absurd thing ever. You don't have a driver's license. You don't have a a photo ID. And that they are somehow incapable of obtaining that in the very unlikely event that they don't already have one. How completely insulting can you be? It's literally looking at someone in the face and being like, "Mm, well, because of the color of your skin, I don't think that you have the capability to go down to the DMV and get a driver's license. Um, say what? Notions like this absolutely boggle my brains. Same conversation. If you want to stand in front of me and be like, "Mm, well, you're a woman, you're not getting into law school. Wait, what? So if I don't have the ability to check female on the admissions box, I'm not getting in? Ridiculous, absurd, insulting. And I would hope, I would hope as a society, we would look at these issues just from from either partially that lens, like maybe bring it into view a tiny bit. It doesn't have to be the whole lens, but bring some of those things into the conversation. Maybe also if we, I know this is going to be a big ask. It's going to be huge because it's going to take a lot of work. Maybe instead of looking at the statistics of how many Black people go to college, even in areas where maybe they make up the significant percentage of the population. I don't know, call me crazy, but maybe we need to dig a little bit deeper and ask ourselves why. Maybe ask ourselves why not as many are applying to colleges or graduating high school or having that opportunity. It's probably a big ask. And sometimes I talk crazy and that's maybe me talking crazy talk. So, oh my gosh, maybe we should actually look at the root cause of the problem or formulate it instead of putting a Band-Aid on it, which in my opinion is just being able to say, oh, well, I am totally qualified in all of these areas, but this is the one area that's just going to push me ahead. And that particular area has nothing to do with who I am as a human being. It's the least significant part about us as humans. And I just continually get so bothered by everyone making it the most important thing. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. But moving forward, I think that this particular ruling is going to have maybe some additional some additional impacts. I don't know if it's going to carry over into affirmative action in the workplace or what those sort of laws and rules and regulations look like, or if there have been other cases, I'm sure there have. But I think these three big ones are not going to escape the headlines very soon. I think they'll be talked about for a while, especially as we head into next election cycle. They'll probably come up. And I guess my ultimate kind of closure as the show comes to an end here is 
I would just encourage us as a society to not allow things like this to divide us even further. Because again, I think that that is what the media is trying to do with all of these. Like we should have these, are they tough conversations? Sure. Are we all walking in one another's shoes? Absolutely not. And that's ultimately why we have to have the conversations that are hard is because we don't know, we have no idea what it's like. But if we sit down and say, gosh, what's your experience like? What's my experience like? It's probably going to get us a lot closer together. And if we could move that gap, you know, if we could close that gap in a little bit, every time we do, we're one step closer to, to showing the overlords that they have significantly less power over us than they think they have over us which in my opinion is the ultimate goal, right? The ultimate goal is to tell these people who we quote unquote elected that they don't have this overarching, you know, we have all the power, you know, sort of reign over us. That's not what's happening here. So thanks for joining me today. That is all the time we have for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses. As we walk you through all of these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Beth, and you can find me here every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. Join us weekdays with a different nurse host daily, where no topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time